Welcome to the podcast of data and analytic in business. We will learn from the leading industry experts using data and analytics to solve the problems and create values in practice. We will also learn where the industry is heading to and how data and analytics will shape the industry in the future. Most importantly, how they are preparing their business for digital transformation and disruption in the future. I'm your host, Jason Tan, and thank you for listening. In this episode, we have Alec Nguyen, who is the robotic and automation lead at Datacom. Eric will share with us what exactly and everything about robotic process automation. So we are going to learn and hear a lot about all this RPA and how that can be used to save money for organization. Eric has a really good way of running an organization. Either you save money or you make money and how RPA can be used in both cases. And one of the very, very topical topic that uh, Eric has used in this interview is the coronavirus. With the concern of the coronavirus could potentially have some lockdown to a lot of people and in the organization, working from home is going to be one of the scenarios where the large organization have to start considering what is going to come in the coming months. What that basically means at the same time is from the operational perspective, from the IT operational perspective, what are the things that are the process that have to be in place to handle the large volume of the requirement for all the large number of the people to be working from home. And this use cases is about how the automation could be put in place with the RPA to automate the entire process and speed up and allow people to be working from. And I certainly think that Eric has done a lot of good justice in explaining what RPA is about. So if you are in the process of thinking about how and wanting to implement RPA for your organization, you should listen to this one. It's a one that not to be missed. Hey, Eric, welcome to the Analytics Show podcast. It's such a great pleasure to have you into the podcast. I, I am really looking forward to this interview and this conversation and allow me and also the audience to understand about the robotic process automation. It's a really exciting topic. Um, so it's great to have you here. Hi, Jason. Hi, everyone. This is my uh, pleasure to uh, be part of your show. I'm looking forward to um, share my, uh, my, my learning, some story, and uh, hope we can help anyone who are interested in this new, very exciting way of work. Wonderful. So how about we start by, if you can give us an explanation about the robotic process automation, RPA in a layman terms. I feel like I suspect that from talking to various people, and I must admit that myself included, is we are not necessarily fully understanding what the RPA it is about and what it does. Absolutely. Well, Jason, it is a common question. Put it this way in layman term, think about this. RPA, more or less, for me, it is just a piece of software that will move data across application and apply business rules on the fly as a user. So that is, in essence, it covers everything you need to know about RPA. And you can translate into uh, what's familiar with your, your work or your daily routine. For example, you might think about like Outlook, you might check email and you might have to maybe respond to certain um, sender or certain topic. So that is a simple task. Think about the definition of um, robotic process automation I just mentioned earlier. What is the data we're talking about here? It is the new email coming in, uh, so you will have a new item on your mail list. But then the pieces that um, the robot, the software robot, will be interested in, it's actually the, um, the little trigger for um, unread email. So as soon as the, the, the software uh, recognizes there's an unread email with the number, it will move on to the next step to basically transfer that information into something like um, Outlook to actually start interact with Outlook as your software. And then it will just apply the business rule where you said, hey, if I have the email from Jason sent to me, forward it to my uh, associate or my team member. 
to respond or to follow up. So yeah, in essence, it is how robotic process automation is in action. Right. Does it make sense to you? It does. So it seems to me the RPA could also take it to one step further and in a bigger contact is that after it forward the email to your associate, it could also be automated to save the email or to save the attachment in a folder and then subsequently to have more steps and more logic, more robotic process to pick up the email and the attachment and depending what context, if we use the context say, as a bumble of uh, seals uh, example, it would then be able to create say a Jira card or as a management tool, project management tool, and then assign it to certain people in order to take all of those actions. It is about making that process as automated, as smooth as possible without any human intervention that is across different numbers of the software in the environment. Would that be the right way in saying that can be done as well? Absolutely, absolutely. You're correct. It is more or less, it just, um, I would say the possibility is endless. It's just all about, like you just mentioned, you think it from the business, from the operation perspective, rather than the step. Think about, like say, um, it is my favorite uh, comparison. I always think of um, automation, it's just like cooking. You will start with certain uh, number of ingredients, but how you combine and how you interact with it or make you use of the ingredient, it becomes like cuisines and we have like endless number of uh, food that we can taste and try in the world. But it will come down to very, some very basic ingredient, like you have protein, could be fish, could be meat, it could be egg or dairy product. And then you, the list go on and on with the ingredient. But in a nutshell, how you use it matters. You are right, it is about, let's set it up and then have the software robot to replicate what we do, replicate what we wanted to to, to, to produce in the end, the result. And uh, the good thing about robotic process automation is um, it gives you a unique opportunity to tackle the biggest challenge of any organization is facing yesterday, today, or even tomorrow. It is about change, how we change, how we adapt to the change in, in the surrounding the environment. And normally in maybe past hundred years, in um, we have a lot of practice, a lot of idea about how to tackle change at organization level, at a product level, at a service level. But um, would we say we succeed at that? I think still a debate around what worked best. But for me, the way I've learned about automation in terms of technical as well as the uh, way of working, I believe you can bring automation the mindset into the change management and you can have far more result far more impact than just some simple process change session and uh, what we've done in in the past right that's great so uh, now i finally understand that this is not about those robotic arms that we see in the manufacturing uh, factories it is not. In a way, it is similar, but it is not. <laughs> it is not that we're gonna just have some. We're gonna replace human with um, an army of robots, and 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 we will just <laughs> surrender. Now, for me, it is the opposite. Totally the opposite. Think about the assembly line. The revolution idea around assembly line. It actually, it is around you have a standard. You have certain standard, and you comply to a standard every time and then you measure the error you measure the effort you measure the amount of rework all the kind of things and you make it visible and repeat it and then human on top of that they will do things that will change the way we like say build up a car or any um along the assembly line so you can see with human especially around manufacturing we already have the, the mindset change and we are more embracing to change and improvement compared to works in, let's say, in the office environment where we don't really have the scale and the capacity to standardize things or interact or connect things together in the past. But now with the tool of automation, we can connect it together. The next step is just to bring in the new mindset and let people to try, learn, and get them excited. I think that is the most undervalued 
of automation that people don't really talk about it. They eliminate the excitement out of the equation. It's just about a cold hard number that we can say, that we can speed up. But actually, the, the human element is, is super critical here. And yeah, as we get into further um, of this conversation, I will uh, give you some real example. That's great. So. I want to tie that into one of the major concerns that I keep hearing a lot from the C-suite is that, or, or maybe in the general workforce, is that the human aspect of the RPA and the major concern is that a lot of people are going to lose the job because of the automation, because of the AI and all this RPA. So I suppose the question for you then is, how should the organization recognize its workforce and rearrange the workforce, given that the a lot of the works could now be automated where it can be done more precisely without any error and more efficiently? Thank you, Jason, for that question. I think it is... Um it is important to acknowledge the fact that we're pretty much at a crossroad of the evolution. Everyone start talking about the fourth industrial revolution, where we actually see the rise of AI, the rise of uh, automation come into our daily life, into our office, into literally every aspect of the modern society. But before I give you my thought around that question, I want to just turn the table a little bit. Like, let's say if we can fast forward to maybe 10 years and the next 10 years or 20 years time and look back, would you think that my children or your children gonna ask about, hey, should we have a robot in our office? Would they ask that question? Or would they take it for granted? And we are the one who are in the making to make it reality for them to take for granted. I think for me personally, I would say, yes, they would take it for granted in maybe 10 or 20 years time when they look back. They wouldn't have any doubt that the modern society would need the extra pair of hands, even like brain from um, technology. So for me, it is a definitely, it is the destination, the journey, we all gonna be part of it. So now it is about how we handle the um, conversation and how we actually encourage people to, to, to come forward and be part of it rather than we try to please the crowd and convince them with the answer that they're going to come back and ask you once again every now and then. Think about this way. The first part around the automation or the AI, basically any technology that's going to replace human in the common workplace. So now they might lose the job. I think in the way of, um, you, you have to see it from multi-dimensional angle. First, from the that particular worker, for example, office worker, if you actually look at them, observe them as a like, very close level and start look at what they do during the day, how much of job they supposed to get it through, see how the priorities of the work, how disruptive it, it could be, or how stressful it could be. And then you will see that actually with the modern society, the concept of working eight hour in the office, more or less, it is not enough. Normally people say, oh, I don't have enough time to do all of this. You don't hear them to say that, oh, I have too much time to do everything in my work. You can start think about, let's say, the report. You can start thinking about things like, say, activity or in the office, uh, like uh, stock checking or order follow-up queries or update certain job or turn up for some training or turn up for some show up for some meeting. You will say that actually we are all busy nowadays, regardless of the position. We're all busy, and we wish that we had more time. I think that is the essence of uh, the conversation. It is not about which part of my work going to be moving away, but it is about at the end of the day, do we have enough time to get things done, things that matters to the business. And if we like um, see, start from that angle, you'll see there is some um, good reason to bring in uh, technology to actually give people back time. And second aspect I have learned throughout the year talking to C-suite as well as from people from front line is um, seeing is believing. The moment people start seeing automation or AI that fully incorporate into part of their work, 
they will just get so excited. Or even before you complete it, you have the feedback and you are managed to elevate or customize the solution. They, they feel truly part of the journey and they actually bring back a lot more than you can expect from them. They not just know how to do a process from uh, A to Z, but actually they, they will tell you known issue, they will talk to you around things that you can basically speed it up, optimize it and simplify it or streamline it. So I would say the second aspect about like those conversations is, okay, if you cannot bring AI or automation into the workplace, involve people that actually do that job, listen to them, number one, assure them about the training, additional training we might bring to, it is essential, but show them show them even at the early stage, show them even when your automation is not ready. You must make sure that they see it as, ah, oh, the robots still make mistakes. And they feel that they don't feel threatened anymore. They feel, oh, it's like my own child. Yeah, so that is my second observation around that topic. And third, I would say this is more like an um, additional point to the other two points, is um, actually when you start introducing automation, it is the, the very good time for you to collect the know-how from your employee. And mm. as soon as you can put it back, document it, uh, optimize it, you can realize that, oh, actually, you can find out the, like some sort of like unique skill from certain employee, and then you can pretty much like um, grow them into the, the direction that they have harnessed and they have potential to grow. Mm. So rather than give everyone a blanket of, okay, this is the training because you're going to have some, we're going to bring automation in. Now we give you some vanilla flavor training, off you go. I think it is the missed opportunity. Certain people, as uh, like they may, might not have qualification just yet, but over the year, they've learned it through action. They have certain character, and now, as the time has come, just unearth it, make use of it, and empower them to grow. And you will be the one who get the benefit. And it is a win-win solution. That's it for me. Mm. I think also if we can remove the repetitive task away from them, I think it will also allow them to flourish in the roles or in the works that require the creativity and subsequently better performance is probably one thing that I would say it could be also the result of having the RPA in place. Do you think that would be a right way to say that? Absolutely, absolutely. And um, I think more than anyone who um, run a business or responsible for, or like I say, a line of business, you need two things. You need one, you need a skillful and disciplined workforce. That's number one. Mm. But number two, you need creativity among those people as well. And creativity doesn't come cheap. Put it that way, it doesn't come cheap. And you can't force them to, yeah, sometimes your creativity will come out of pressure, but you want it to be a sustainable way of operation. So creativity only thrive under certain opportunity and uh, certain condition. I agree with you. If we free people up with their time, give them the space to um, contribute and encourage the creativity among the staff, we will see a change in the way the, uh, the business operate. Think about this way. You either go for productivity, doing the same thing faster, better, but uh, yeah, to a certain level, you can't go any, go any higher in terms of productivity. Or you can go also at the same time with creativity, you can have a, a great chance to get into what we call um, value-added works mm. and thrive from there. So put it this way, from what we say so far, it comes down to business saying two things. Either you make money or you save money. With automation, immediately people think about save money. Mm. I think that we can make money as well with people. People bring in the creativity mm. on top of what they already done maybe for five years, 10 years, 20 years. They can tell you, hey, what if we can do this and that mm. based on my understanding, based on the client feedback, that creativity is going to give you the chance to basically yeah, increase the revenue. And uh, the, yeah, the, the, the real 
benefit of automation in in a way become a um, competitive advantage. So you're not just to get the job done, not just uh, get a job done well, but actually you have to aim to be competitive and secure certain advantage. Bill Gates say that automation applied to an efficient operation will magnify the efficiency, and automation applied to an inefficient operation will magnify the inefficiency. So I suppose the question I have for you is that when you go into an organization to build the RPA, how do you find out the efficient operation or making sure that it is an efficient operation? Well, for this um, question, actually, Jason, it is not an easy conversation <laughs> when we um, come into any organization to start a conversation for two reasons. One, we need to learn about the context. So efficient, you might see the number, but if you don't have the understanding of the context, then um, it is not the right starting point. And secondly, it is also around um, the practice the efficiency in order to learn about an organization or even a team or members, team members, uh, how efficient they are in certain tasks. We need two things. One, data, reliable data for baseline. And two, ongoing measurement to make sure that we can see the progress and also identify hidden spot that we can um, optimize or even um, remove it. So uh, in a nutshell, I think efficiency is come back to data analytics 101. It is all about do you have access to the data? Do you have a way to understand the context of those data? And are you able to continuously measure the data and make it visible and accessible to um, stakeholders? And I agree that um, with um, the quote you just mentioned from Bill Gates, in terms of efficiency and automation, there's a correlation here, definitely. Personally, I've been through a couple of times, I've been through situations where for a, um, like say, a, a telecom services, we bring in the automation, but unfortunately, a certain part of the process is unclear. The business rules doesn't really reflect the reality of, um, of the business. Yeah, so basically, it ends up as um, a number of, of a service ticket has been mismanaged and it's result to a lot of effort for service testing to um, basically have to rework it, engage the client, explain, and then follow up with delivery team to do just to basically ease out the tension. And it is always the, the lesson learned from automation as well as operation. Could you please share with us one of the use cases or success story of the RPA? I think that will perhaps also give people a lot of context to be able to visualize how RPA could work in their organization. Sure, sure. I'm happy to share. I can share maybe one example, one, one story around a um, it is more about um, how they, a large organization they um, they deal with um, like the human resources. So basically, a large organization at the um, very first Monday of each month, they will dedicate a team to basically produce eight report. I think eight or ten report, and these report become a source of truth for multiple group to look into, to look work out uh, policy change, to work out payrolls, forecasting, to work out training, to work out to assess the, um, the balance of their talent pool because they, they do a lot of like rotation and also projection around um, leaves, balance, all that sort of like operation for a large organization. So they have here every Monday, you will have a team of three people and the team of three basically they're just digging to tons of data try to do the calculation apply business rule yeah in the end produce a report for um, other teams to do um, and as apparently one of those reports will uh, end up at the uh, highest level the executive level so um, when we get into the conversation of um, automation yeah i've learned that the um that fixed number of report it took them solid effort from three team member it took them a week five working days to basically consolidate it double check 
and send it out. So when we come in, we, we do some assessment around um, can we do it all or we just pick the part that we can uh, work on. We realize that um, uh, if we try to do it all, it just it could be too much. It is also very risky when you just try to do everything and it is so important to the organization uh, at the beginning. So we only pick up four for our the eight or ten report and out of the four, it took the team three days. So three out of five, you're talking about 60% of total effort of two team members. Now it is becoming six working days, right? Six working days. And when we took it over, we um, go through the whole mechanism to start mapping out the process, the manual, and then optimize it to be stage where automation work best. Mm. And uh, we consolidate the number of uh, business rules data, business roles, and all the mechanism in between to uh, cater for so many scenarios. What interesting for me is um, when I actually look at the number of business roles, you know, for a full report, how many business roles they have to apply? In total, it is about 160 business roles. And that is why it takes time for, for human to memorize it, apply it, and someone to double check it. And uh, okay, so fast forward, we um, implement the solution and with the runtime, it is from six working days down to just one hour. And now one hour, I can tell you right away, half of it, about 50% was about um, the waiting time for the automation to um, download data or access data from uh, various source. So the actual running time is only about 30 minutes versus six working day up to the... Wow, and, that, uh, so, that yeah, is so 90% see, of the saving at least. <laughs> wow. Yeah, but for me, the real benefit is not just there. I pointed out to the team that, hey, look at this. You now have uh, 60% worth of your delivery available within the first hour, right? It means you don't have to email out or explain to, to other teams. So you don't need to spend this amount of hour to, for communication with other teams. The other, team, other teams, they just come in, download it, and they don't need to interrupt you. That's number one. Number two, in terms of uh, human error, it, it's literally down to the business rules. Once you have the computer to go through it and you test it, it is repetitive. It is becoming mm. boring. And last but not least, it is about compliance. Think about this, Jason. Others, we have so many others uh, downstream team that rely on this source of um, the single source of truth. The working out, like I say, budget to have a very strategic discussion about the direction they're gonna go for with in terms of, like, say, rotation or in terms of certain policy or in terms of um, the as the organization where they should they should heading to these conversation rely on good data now you have the data deliver quick fast excellent but also you make the other team can make a more like a data driven fashion so basically they rely on good data reliable data so when you put it into perspective as a uh, business owner or uh, from executive level, one simple e automation actually give you far more benefit than you can measure if it's just a, a very silo, very technical view of a process. You would say, okay, I saved 90% of processing time. But it doesn't matter if you look at it from the big picture. The big picture is, can I make a right uh, decision in time? Mm. Can I um, have it whenever I need it? Mm. And can I don't have to follow up people or chase them up? It, it basically free people up, save them time. And uh, yeah, the most important part for me is also around the engagement of the, with the team. We went through with them through literally the whole process. And at the beginning, it was a bit curious what we do. And as we show them constantly, okay, the robot fell here, fell there. They start get into it and they start tell us how to check things rather than have to go through every step. You can quickly pinpoint at certain breakpoint and you can check, you can know, oh, actually it is get into the right track or not. And in the end, I think the biggest reward for us is the team, they start feel that they own the, the, the automation. 
and the automation is now part of the workforce. And um, even better than that, they use it. Uh, they, they, when, when they talk to other teams within the organization, they can say, yep, it is our robots. So you see there's a sense of pride, a sense of creativity, a sense of like real empowerment here. This is amazing. So what are the other new development in the field of RPA that you look forward to? For me, there's a lot of things happening uh, right now in the um, automation. If we look back to the history, the um, robotic process automation, it's just picking up since 2017. You can Google it and you can see history in Google and it literally is just a spike from 2017 up to now. So literally just about, it's getting into four years. So, uh, but it's at a large scale worldwide. So a lot of things happening now in the space of um, automation in general. We can see more and more advancement in terms of the tool. We have better tool, no doubt. We have exciting integration with um, AI technologies in terms of, let's say, facial recognition, text to speech, as well as those basically uh, sentimental analysis. The whole things around AI now come and work hand in hand with automation. So that's very exciting in terms of technology. But uh, on the other hand, I think from business perspective, other things I think is also equally exciting. It is about um, people now start getting into the mindset of, oh, automation is actually, it is all about operations and why operation matters. If you look at the budget, any organization nowadays, if you look at the budget and you see how much you spend on operation costs, it is significant, right? So we basically, we, we spend a lot of capital and also investment mm. to our own uh, workforce, but have we measured the ROI per employee? I raised that question to one of the, uh, the big four um, partners in, in RBA and he, he looked at me and said, hmm, good question. I never thought about that kind of question. <laughs> but um, yeah, it just highlights one thing. From business perspective, if you think of automation, think about operation. Think about two things, either save money or make money with automation. And with that mindset, you will start focusing on the right side of the conversation. Sure, technology will just keep getting better and better. People will learn the tool, will practice it. But if you're in the business, you can focus on the part that you can save money from your operation or you can make money from your operation with um, everyone's in the organization involvement. So for me, that is the, the real movement nowadays. With the operation often have to be either carry out on-site or off-site, And as we are moving to the era of where we are a lot more flexible in terms of the working from home arrangement, how do you see those two things come hand in hand with the robotic process automation? Do you see that is any tie between those two things? I definitely see the point of um, workforce mobility is now um, definitely have something to do with uh, automation as well. Think about this, if you want to get a result at the end of the day, definitely you need to have a good structure in place with a clear set of rules, and then you need to have a mechanism to execute it. You can't rely on the presence of people to, to just do it day in, day out. If technology can do it for you and you can rely on it, so be it. And a human will look after the part that um, technology can't solve, like say, for example, think about this. What, what Actually, this is something just happened right now with, um, I think, um, for all of us, anywhere we are. It is the about the coronavirus. Apparently, mm. just this week, I have a, an opportunity to um, work with a major client. And the conversation is about, um, it's related to uh, mobility, but it's more from the mechanism of it, which is remote access. Okay. They talk, yeah, they're planning around um, what happened if uh, coronavirus break into our city and in their office and they have to basically move into um, off-site to like work from home to carry out the um, BAU work. So when I came in and um, I was part of, um, I was just 
listen to the conversation and then I realized that hang on with the remote access at the moment they have a manual process I look at it and I say I quickly realize that it is it, it prone to a human error mm. yeah there was an incident last year apparently someone removed the entire list of 300 user out of that um, remote access list and you can imagine how critical it is right now if you have that kind of like uh, error happen again yeah so apart from human error apart from the light because definitely with manual process you will have uh, various stage and you will depend on the viability of the person and also if that person have to ask for uh, certain approval based on the business rules the time just add up yeah so basically there's a couple of things line up also it is also about the um, efficiency with the current manual process we, we, we okay if we have only about 20 requests per day but if it is 100 200 500 because this is a, we talk about a really big organization definitely the manual process we have in place it couldn't keep up and we don't want to waste a, a resource or literally a whole teams just to repeat uh, the same 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 step to just to grant access to that many user all at once mm. and further further along the way i realized that for the procurement process to kick in it would be about two to three weeks in order to finish it to purchase additional security token Uh, yeah, basically they have to prepare business case. They have to seek for certain approval, and everything in line will take two to three weeks. So, as you can see, when I talk about automation, I always start looking at the big picture, the end to end, and mobility and operation. Here, when you put into that perspective, you realize that it is not about one person can lock in. How quick that person can lock in. It is about the capability of the whole organization. And RBA, how it can help um, with my analysis, and actually now we step into the development. We realize that uh, we can reduce the time and effort for one uh, staff to this kind of like a process from half an hour down to just about three to five minutes with the automation. And here's the thing: the half an hour that we uh, replace from human, actually depending on the availability of that person during the day and that if that person can do it in the today in the morning there's no guarantee that they can do it day in day out during this week or next week so now all of a sudden we bring in certainty we bring in uh, quality we bring in the save in terms of time and we bring in analytics into it as well but basically i don't just try to um, replicate the process But I look at the, the the end part where I say, okay, let's tell me the trend, capture all the, the trend around those um, available token, and apply business rules, and then we will proactively engage um, or notify procurement team and also business team to say, hey guys, we are reaching to this level of um, token. If you need to plan ahead for coronavirus, please go ahead and. Seek for approval, and I think procurement team they will appreciate the level of insight that we can bring back to them. Because for it, they make their job easier, right? So rather than themselves have to dig and find out information in the past, now they can just timely present it back to the business. And with the coronavirus, speed is number one. Speed is everything. I think the automation will basically. Um, Bring back certainty to the workforce and uh, get them further with mobility in the future. Not just during this time with the coronavirus. That's amazing. Such a topical topic. How this RPA could actually use to tackle it is such a situation where the coronavirus is really causing a bit of impact to the mobility. That's really interesting use cases, and uh, really, I think I suspect that you guys probably will be flooded with uh, so much more requests after this podcast being released. I definitely will share the details of Eric and also the company. Now, I do want to ask you though, given that automation is all over the place, which of the industry do you think are reaping the most benefit? Thanks, Jason. Yes, again, this is a very um, popular questions. Last year, when I went to those uh, conference speak, yeah, and I, I can tell you that uh, 
right now, if we look around, there are about three industries that literally um, take the most benefit out of um, automation. It is insurance. Believe it or not, whoever insurer you are with at the moment, they have automation robots running around the clock, day in, day out, 24 by 7, literally, to process all the claim, to process new application, or to reject application, or to basically do some uh, auditing. So insurance is definitely at the front of automation adoption. Next, it is also related to finance. It would be the banking sector, banking and finance sector. But think about your mortgage. Think about, yeah, think about loan more and more entity has uh, deployed automation to uh, basically give back the time to their workforce and to uh, streamline the process. As I say, when you do automation, you actually bring change into your daily BAU operation. You don't just uh, replicate it and then potentially you will will just amplify the uh, inefficiency. It is all about optimization. Can we optimize it? Can we improve it? It is a fantastic chance for those institutions to uh, introduce it. And the third industry that actually quite thriving with uh, automation is um, utilities and telecom. Think about their work, their bulk of work. It's all about transaction, right? Mm. Whether it is utilities, gas, electrics, or water, or with um, telecom, you have landline, fixed line, uh, landline, mobile, and everything in between. So these three in the um, industry, literally, they have generated tons of case study around automation and bring into their practice. However, this is something I always um, give back to uh, the audience. Don't take it as a, um, like say, a roadblock. If your industry is not among the, uh, the three industry I mentioned earlier, simply because, put it this way, for me, automation is all about operation. And the fundamental part of any operation is all around data. It is all around process. And then finally, it's about the tool you use. So if you get your data right and you optimize your process, you have the tool, the right tool you have there, you can optimize it. You can automate it. It is not because you are not in the uh, finance industry, so then you don't have the data. No, you already, any business, any um, operation, you always need input. Input is data. And then you will expect some certain outcome. You can measure it. You can align it with certain benchmark or standard. So you have all the elements required for automation. So just get in, explore it, and actually think about how you make money or save money with whatever you have at hand right now. Automation is not about big investment, big commitment for three years, five years. It literally, in a very short term, you can see, literally you can see the result and you can compare, you can learn, you can improve within three to six months with your teams, with whoever you have right now. I want to ask you though, that how do you see and where do you see that the data science and analytic is fitting into the overall scheme of the RPA? When we say analytics and also data, there's uh, always an implication around big data and also around, like say, big investment to produce report, dashboard, and um, business intelligence or insight or data model. I think it is that kind of conversation is not for the best of um, business operation. For me, the way I see data analytics or big data or AI, I see it basically it will work hand in hand with um, robotic process automation in a number of ways. One, with the robotic process automation, it requires structured data. And structured data can be the output from your AI model. It could be from your analytics. So you basically, yep, you're crunching mm. big, big number of volume of data. But so what? You will end up like a dashboard, a report. So why don't you use those information, those data, valuable data, and you have a, a timely action? Mm. Timely action is basically just the RBA with the business rules. You, you know exactly what you can do with certain information. So you see, it is very uh, straightforward. There's not nothing magic here. 
you have analytics, you have big data, you have training model, excellent. Make the RPA as part of that ecosystem. Make use of the data that uh, you generate as the outcome, feed it back into RPA to have certain activity. So that is one case, one example. And the other one is more around, um, it is like we, we still talk about two separate pieces where our analytics or big data separate from RPA. The second uh, combination we can even try out it is, so basically you do, you have RPA or robotic automation here just to gather the data from uh, various source and then put it into as the input for your data model, for your analytics data model. Yeah, so you see all of a sudden now you have the robotic process automation becoming the extent of your uh, already established analytics and uh, big data platform or AI in the future. So you say you can basically play around with those elements, but the, the thing that really connects these two or three different pillars is data, structured data. And if you have it in mind, I'm sure you're gonna success. You're gonna find success right there. It doesn't have to wait for years or months. It will literally right there and then this is amazing. I think this is also, especially with what I do at work at DDA, is what we call how do you embed the analytic into the business operation? I think what you are suggesting here, it really making me to think how I can actually incorporate the RPA into the entire process to further embed the analytic into the business operation, especially if those business operations are not necessarily connected to the analytic platform itself, then what we could do is effectively using the RPA as the bridge to connect them both together. This is amazing. Good stuff. Absolutely. Absolutely. Think about this way. Don't get caught up with um, the term. <laughs> Don't try to be a purist with, like, say, RPA practitioner or analytics camp. Yeah. Think about this from a uh, common sense from the business outcome. Correct. Certainly, it must those, be always about business. what is the business outcome. Yeah. Absolutely. At the end of the day, we want to save time for people, give them time back, give back time for them to work on it. And if they don't have access to certain system, would it be a roadblock? No. You have RPA to basically filter out the level information you can present to them, send it over to them, share with them, recollect it, follow up with them if you don't see any feedback from these people. With automation, it's just amazing how you can build up the connection between various groups within the organization or even with the uh, external stakeholders. Because basically you set up the rules and you have the result and people will basically appreciate if there's a timely response or meaningful engagement. I see that the, the element of the human touch is particularly important in the RPA process. How do you think one could enhance that human touch process for a better customer experience and the overall saving the money in their business operation. Okay, I tell you, I, uh, I share with you a true story around this kind of like a human touch and how we enhance it for a better experience. This, this, this story just around like a, um, I think it is common across a long organization where you have a routine task that uh, someone will have to show up in the office really early and they have a ridiculously short period of time to extract various data points and then put into a format and then put into even like schedule for the teams to basically execute during the day. And it is by the time they uh, show up in the office, there's no guarantee that there won't be any interruption. So literally, if there is interruption, it doesn't matter. You still have a, a deadline. You have to meet that deadline and you have to deliver the, the result. So for me, when I got a chance to come in and um, I talked to them and say, okay, what can I help you? They walked me through. I said, hey, easy. This is quite mechanic. I can just do it. So what I did was um, I replicate exactly what they've done. This is uh, several twists to make it like optimized. So basically, before it was about for them, it took about half an hour. Now with the automation, basically we talk about second, we talk about uh, 10 to 15 seconds where, yeah, we, we literally, we have to go through a lot of business rules 
and a lot of um, data transformation, but still the, the computer play at uh, strength. So it's just like a, a, just a blink of an eye. But when I share with them the result, to my surprise, the team of 15 people, including the manager, they liked it, but I can send there's some sort of like um, distance between the outcome and the task that I was uh, uh, given before. Mm. So I, I start talking to the people who say, okay, all right, so when you have the outcome, would it be the end of the, uh, the work? Would it be right? I say, yeah, yeah, it is right. It's correct. The outcome is, is, is correct. I said, okay, so um, tell me why. I asked the, uh, the dismay, I said, hey, why you guys doesn't show any excitement? I think this is what you, you asked for. And apparently she told me that, yeah, but then we still have to manually, basically we have to manually bring the, the list that the robot prepared and we have to manually add it onto the team's Outlook calendar. Can you believe it? So basically it is like a, a fixed certain um, time of the day, there will be a task, like say client engagement for person X at that time, person Y as the other time. So they say, yeah, I, I still have to transcribe it into Outlook. And it's like, yeah, but how, how long would it take you to transcribe it? She said, oh, on average, with the um, average workload, it would be about another, probably about two, three minutes. And I think, I said, okay, okay, cool. Let me think about it. When I get back to my office and I think, hang on, it doesn't add up here. I saved them from chaotic scenes. Literally every day, someone had to go through the pain to make it in time in 30 minutes. And then what's, what is the difference when they have only to, they only have to spend another three minutes to mm. get done? Why it is a big deal? But apparently for human, it is a big deal. The biggest lesson I've learned from automation is the sense of basically human have the expectation of uh, hands-off. They'll, they'll expect things will be covered by automation. So, um, yeah, in short, I have two options. One, I'll just say, okay, I've done my job. I deliver what I was asked. I walk away. Or two, try to work it out. Say, yes, I figure it out. What else can I do to um, ease that friction and make the automation truly something that excites people? Yeah, I, and then I just basically spend about a week to work out, like I even try to say, okay, to the point I have the list generated, how can I uh, import it into um, Outlook? They, they have a team calendar, so how can I add it onto it? I try, so basically I try Outlook, I try Microsoft Teams, mm. Microsoft Planner, and then I have another, we, uh, and then I try another tool, a collaboration tool. And in the end, that collaboration tool was chosen simply because it's like um, the easiest execution and Believe it or not, it is mobile friendly. And I literally, I won over the team because I can tell them, hey, as soon as the robot run and generate the list, 15 seconds, you will be able to see it on your mobile. That's great. So they don't have to check. Yeah, They don't have to check their, the team's Outlook calendar. And can you believe it? Even though if they have it in the team's calendar, some will literally set a, re a reminder on their phone so that they won't miss that pieces of work. If they get carried out during the day with like other work, the reminder will save them. <laughs> so yeah, from basically from listen and talk to people, I basically walk the extra mile and I realize that the visibility and accessibility is everything to human. And the mobile phone, it just happened to be something that gonna please a lot of people. So yeah. I think that is the such an eye-opening experience around the human touch. Now, assuming the listener after they finish listening to this episode and they are convinced to implement RPA for their organization, how would you advise them to get started? I would say if you want to start it, let's just keep it simple. Keep it simple in this in, in three different uh, way. One, keep it simple in terms of the goal. You won't build a ROM in just a day. So yeah, so for automation, it is about the mindset rather than the technology adoption. 
So you need to just focus on some simple concepts, some simple ideas, some simple goal around your operation, aligned to the two principles I mentioned earlier, around whether you want to save money or you want to make more money. That's number one, keep it simple. Two, it is about execution. With automation, it is all about practice because you learn as you go and you want to build up a momentum rather than a rapid transformation. You need to have people to be ready. You have to stimulate their creativity and you need to unlock the true power from the workforce. So the sooner you start, the better it is. And just start from playing around with the tool, engage subject matter expert in the industry, or you can engage myself. I'm happy to offer some time to walk you through what you can do and what you can achieve in a um, clear time frame. And last but not least, I think this is super critical. People always talk, but you can see it if you search for the internet. People will always recommend you to start small and organically you will grow. For me, I from my own experience and observation, I also talk to a lot of um, practitioners in the field. I can say this way, with automation, it has to start from the top. It is a top-down approach first. You have from the you have to start it from the very top, and how you do it. There's uh, a number of techniques I can share if you are interested in. Mm. But it is all about you start from the very top level of the business with the operation in order to set the scene, in order to set the direction and the area of focus. So you start from the top, you keep it simple, and you start now. So if you have those three things happen. I'm sure you're gonna, yeah, you're gonna have success with your automation journey. And think, think about five years time, not just think about right now or next three months. It is about five years where you are. I think it would be good if you could share those slides and uh, so that people can just download from the website as well to help them understanding how they could get on to the journey. I understand that you also do a lot of public speaking and presentation around the topic of RPA. If people do want to come and catch you for one of these presentations, where is the next one they could listen to your speaking? As you know, with the coronavirus, all of a sudden the, the, the travel it is like, like at a minimum. So uh, for me, for now, my next public speaking it is going to be at a, uh, a public department in my city. But um, in terms of like say travel around to others speaking, I I would say yeah, I will keep you updated on my LinkedIn. And um, if you if any listener are interested in, please just engage me via LinkedIn. You can also see some of my previous uh, sharing around the topics. Yeah, we can start the conversation from there. I think RBA is not about you you learn and then you do it. It is more about conversation and then you realize what you can do at your own within your own context. And Absolutely. Yeah, so I will put the link to your LinkedIn profile in the article as well. Now, I usually end this interview with my one question. What is one book that you would give to your younger self? And why is this book? Thank you, Jason. This is quite a, um, an interesting question. For me, I would say, um, put it this way, I, when, when I was so young, at about year 10, I stumbled across a, an amazing book. It's called How to Win Friends and Influence People. That is the one. It's literally my, my lifetime guidebook. And uh, uh, now, if, if I look back, I think, oh, hang on. If I read that book maybe maybe five years earlier than that, would it help? Maybe not. <laughs> so back to your question, I would say if I give a book for my younger self, I think it's also back to the, um, the, the timing. Is the time timing right or not? Mm. But... Um, Okay, sure. I will nominate one book that I think is quite amazing, extraordinary, that really changed my mind when I work in analytics, uh, inside to action, and then move into automation. That book is, um, it is, this is called Small Data. I can't remember, all of a sudden I can't remember the full name of it, but I think it is Sexy Little Number. Yeah. 
It is called Sexy Little Numbers by um, Dimitri Max. And um, yeah, in, in that book, basically, he um, walked me through to the world of uh, analytics, of uh, statistics, and also of um, business operation. It literally the foundation for me to think and work it out in and the time I get into um, analytics, as well as the time I get into uh, automation, especially around automation, I don't just stuck with the tools and the process level or the framework that the vendor share. I literally walk to a bigger setting around, let's like, say, the boardroom executive uh, conversations or big things from the news. I can always relate to that little, little book. Um, yeah, I'm sure if anyone uh, from the audience are interested in making it uh, like a, a practical approach for their operation, their uh, automation work, that book, it is, it is going to help them a lot. Wonderful. Thank you very much, Eric, for coming to the show and share your expertise and knowledge about the robotic process automation. I can't tell you enough how much I have learned about this RPA and it gives me a clearer picture about what the RPA does and how you can even further to extend into the data and analytics. I am very certain that the a lot of the listener will appreciate your sharing of this knowledge. So thank you so much for that. Thank you, Jason, for uh, having me. I really enjoyed the conversation today. Wonderful. Thank you.